How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and today I have Jeff Alberts back on the show. He just stepped off the WMBF world stage where he placed fifth in the pro lightweight category, arguably the most competitive category on the day and arguably the most competitive stage for natural bodybuilding that there is. At the age of 52, he presented his best ever physique. I'll say that again, 52, his best ever physique. What an incredible journey. And we're gonna dive into that. This is his 14th contest season and I wanted to know what would have made this season a success for him at the start, what challenges he faced along the way, how did he overcome those, and what led to the best physique ever? What did he learn this time round and what is he gonna apply from this season in future? We dive into all of that, how bodybuilding has evolved for him over time. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in here as Jeff always presents. I think for any competitor, future competitor or coach, you're gonna wanna listen to this whole thing. So look forward to that. And before we dive into it, if you haven't yet, please make sure you're subscribed, whether or not that's on Spotify, on YouTube, or whatever podcast provider you're using, so you don't miss out on amazing episodes in future. It only benefits you, of course. And if you can, spare a moment in time to rate us if you are on Spotify. Highly appreciate that so that the show can grow. Give us a comment if you're ever on YouTube. Just saying hi is all you need to do, or a thumbs up. It's highly appreciated, and or a thumbs up. Hey, let's get both. But without further ado, let's get into the chat with Jeff. So Jeff, it's actually been about a year since you've last come on the show. I don't know, uh, you probably don't keep tabs on that, nor do I, uh, but I check, I like to check, especially when it feels like I haven't spoken to someone for a while. And I was surprised that it had been an entire year since we last spoke, because I think hopefully a lot of the listeners keep up with your journey uh, to stage and what you're doing and you're very present on social media, which I highly appreciate and you have been over the years. Um, so it kind of feels like I've been keeping up with you despite not having had this one-on-one -on -one time, but uh, yeah, it's been a whole year. <laughs> it's hard to believe a whole year has gone by, but you know, how it is when you get older, time just goes by super, super fast. And I think the last time I was on, if I remember correctly, we talked about recovery diet because it's always... That this time of year after the shows are over with it's like okay yes. let's talk about recovery uh and here we are again like after the seasons are over talk, probably going to talk about recovery at some point <laughs> well that's a good place uh, i wasn't intending to necessarily talk about it a whole lot but i am interested obviously i was speaking briefly off air and i kind of asked how are you and you said better after more food so how has that initial recovery at least gone are you feeling uh, kind of recovered or are you still in that recovery process? I guess it's only been, what is it, a handful of weeks, three weeks or something. Like we're two weeks removed now from Worlds and I feel a lot better, but not all the way there. And I know when I'm fully recovered, when I'm no longer food focused. So I'm still at night, you know, I, I've been keeping up on good habits during the day, just eating a little more food. But then at night, you know, I'm wanting to dive into the cupboard and eat some snacks while watching like Monday night football. So I know I'm not all the way there. So I don't really go by like 
where's my numbers are as far as body weight, that type of thing. It's more so like how I actually feel. Yeah, I have good energy, good performance, good recovery. You know, I'm not thinking about food no more. My next meal, those types of things. And I'm not all the way there yet, but it's getting closer. Yeah, it's that next meal kind of thinking about that next meal it's just i i i mean i'm far removed from prep now but i know when i get into it it is that kind of clock watching what's coming next yeah. almost like go to bed yeah i want to wake up and eat breakfast <laughs> yeah yeah and i think my 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 wife and son they're not fully recovered yet either because <laughs> it's almost like they're demanding a lot of attention i'm noticing so i'm like okay we're not all the way back just yet for sure it's good you know yourself well enough now though that's the key marker because I'm sure you have it with clients, Jeff, where you take them through that process and they're, I don't know, could be two weeks post and they're like, yeah, I feel like I'm back to normal. I'm like, you wait for another two weeks, you'll be feeling like you're at like another hundred percent back to normal. Uh, because yeah, it's, it, you natural bodybuilding preps probably should be fairly lengthy. And so you kind of lose touch with what normality was at a certain time. So yeah, I don't want to see people maintain a leaner physique just because they think they're back to normal they want to be there versus they are actually there so it's good right. you know yeah it's almost like people kind of base it off of like a certain look or like i said earlier the numbers when it's more so i think it should be dictated by yourself how you're actually feeling you know yeah. sometimes like you get removed from like your ability to be in touch with yourself because you're so rigid with prep you're focused on numbers and hitting targets you kind of lose, you know, touch of like what you're actually experiencing, what you're actually feeling. And I know we're going to talk about my prep, but there was a big moment in it where I wasn't even weighing myself anymore. Oh, wow. Okay. Or, or keeping track of the logbook or any of that stuff. Cause I wanted to be more connected to what my actual experience was. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess uh, we can start digging into that. Obviously, like we said, you've just come off the WNBF world stage. This was your 14th season, I believe. Have I got that number right? I don't want to get oh it wrong. Oh my gosh. I counted like, them up. <laughs> I, if you, well, if you say so, I'm going to believe Based it. Based off your post. I'd, I'd have to go like start counting on my fingers, like yeah. going back. So yeah, 1993 sounds, was the first, correct? Yeah, that's the first yeah. one. I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's probably somewhere in there, 14, 15, somewhere in there. There's probably a couple failed preps in there as well, so... Yeah, lots sure. of season, lots of experience. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think people, just on that note, you said failed preps. Me and Pascal have talked about it a few times on like the improvement season, just saying how like people don't realize how many like, athletes try and make it to stage and it just doesn't work out for them. I think like it's probably equal to the number you see on stage also didn't manage to quite get there. Yeah, you know it is. Like you, you finish a season, maybe you didn't get the placing you're hoping for. You feel like it's a failure, but... The reality is, is that there's a lot of people that don't even make it to the finish line. So I think that in itself is just a huge accomplishment is like, think about the the world population, you know, how many people are actually like doing what we're doing, getting down to like six, 7% body fat and doing this crazy thing. Like there's not too many, it's like a very small percentage. So just to cross that finish line, especially at my age now, I'm like, it's like a deeper appreciation for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, that's actually the, the, the starting question I had for you is uh, if I was to ask you before you went through your 14th contest prep, uh, what would make it a success? 
what would your answer be? So what would have made this season a success at the start? Mm. I don't know if it changed by the end and now like it's a success for a different reason, yeah, but I'd love to yeah, know that. Because I, I struggled with a why. Like when I first started prepping back in January, like I was kind of like excited, but not excited at the same time. Like I wasn't excited about getting up, going outside in the dark and the cold and doing steps. You know, it took me a while to kind of get some momentum going. And as I was kind of going deeper into it, I was like, why am I doing this? Like I've done this, like you said, 14, 15 times. I found success on the world stage, placed high one pro shows. Like, why am I doing this? And why do I want to put my family through another prep? Because I know the deeper I get into it, and of course the hunger issues, the sleep issues, all that, it starts to disrupt like, you know, normal, normal living. So I was struggling for a good while, like trying to really find a strong why. And it was almost like I was searching for a singular why. Because, you know, when we first started out, we're very motivated. I want to get in there. I want to get straight. I want to crush it. I want to do well, place high, win a show or whatever. You know, I, I experienced that. And then I experienced the flip side of like not being successful and being depressed about it. And like, I don't want to do this thing ever again. And then finding joy in it, changing the why to I just want to have fun. You know, and then it went from like having fun to I want to win a pro show because I won pro cards. So it's like all these different types of whys I've experienced. And I this prep was almost like I was searching for the one thing. And I realized uh, I had help though. Like one of my athletes, my aunt from Israel, she was like, Jeff, you just need to be just one day at a time and just have fun and just be. And she meant in a sense, just be free with it. Like don't put so much pressure on yourself or things like that. And I kind of just realized like, yeah, I don't need to have a specific why. And the why I'll probably end up finding later down the road. So, and that's the thing I, I know with you, Steve, like you're very reflective. Like the longer you take time to reflect, you start to discover more and more things about the prep, the reasons, the purposes, you're just having a lot more clarity. So I've allowed myself to basically just be free and just let it come. And uh, I keep like, even now two weeks removed, you know, every day I'm kind of reflecting, like seeing little nuggets along the way, like, oh, okay. Like I'm getting deeper appreciations for this certain aspect, but it was a struggle. Like, cause you know, when you've done something for so long, you kind of lose a little bit of the passion and the spark for it. And prep is not easy. You know, it takes you to some dark places. And I was like, why do I want to do that again? <laughs> so. But I'm glad I did. I'm glad I persevered through it, come out the other side. And, you know, here we are talking about it. Yeah. I think when I think about this question and for a lot of competitors who have done seasons, it's like, Hey, my why is to beat my last best or something like that. Whereas as we've said multiple times, like you've done double digit seasons. So beating your last best and being in your fifties now, I guess that's something that was on your mind was like, can I, is that still a why to beat my previous best? There was a pressure with that because when you're, you're older, you can't like, at least for me personally, like I can't train like a 10 years ago. Like I can't put numbers up like I used to. It's harder to recover. Um, the family dynamics different. My son is older. So it's a little bit more challenging with that. So it's, a, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to try to, like at least live up to the past expectation. Like, hey, I placed fourth at Worlds in 2014. I won a pro show, so I have to kind of stay on that level. 
and you're a 3D muscle journey coach. So you have to, you have to come in dialed in because otherwise you're going to look soft and you know, you're not going to look the part. So there was, there was definitely some pressures with that, but also I realized like, okay, wait a second. Like, I know it's more about fulfilling the current potential. So I had to really kind of like dig deep and think about like, or just come to the conclusion, like, Hey, if I, I better myself, great. If I don't, it's all good. As long as I'm still fulfilling the current potential may not be as good as it used to be, but at least I know deep down, like I did everything I could to be at my current best. And I think as long as I was doing that, you know, I'm okay with the outcome. Um, but I mean, according to Eric Helms, and I, I mean, I've looked at the footage and all that, so I'm not a hundred percent sure yet, but according to him, like this is the best ever, the best physique I've ever put up. I don't think it's the biggest physique, but I think from an overall balance, as far as like having size, conditioning, shape, presentation, uh, according to him, this is the best physique I've ever put out, which was not really a expectation of me you would say. So I kind of surprised myself a little bit in that regards, but also I look up to Marshall Johnson. So I look at people who've done it before me, like Marshall Johnson, obviously it's like, you know, he's been doing this for years. He's still competing in his early sixties. And at the, when I first competed against him back in 2014, he was about my age now. And that same year he went on to win like the lightweight world championship at the Jordan cup. So I'm like, well, if he can do it, maybe I can do it. So now it's like, now that I've gone through this, I'm realizing like, okay, your early fifties is not like a death sentence for progress. Like there's other forms of progress outside of just like putting on size. You can definitely get more condition. You can pose better. You can peak better. You can prep better with family, those types of things. So I still feel like now moving ahead, there's still growth for me if I choose to do it. That's yeah, like big if if i if i choose okay to, yeah yeah we'll yeah. come we'll come to that uh i really like that actually because again for myself if someone was to ask me the next time i compete i'd be like oh to beat my last like best but actually i kind of like the reframing that you gave that in terms of hey just doing your best at this current moment it doesn't have to be beating last time it just has to be the best you can do uh this time and like not leaving any stone unturned or whatever you want to call it it's just hey under the circumstances you're currently in in the body you're currently in do the best with what you've got and i think that's that's the kind of philosophy i think 3dmj tend to take as a whole like hey don't focus on it's kind of a stoic philosophy in many ways hey don't focus on the uncontrollables focus on what you can control and what you can do and that in its own right is kind of stress relieving because as we all know you can't control who comes to stage as like Eric said, it's your best physique to this uh, point, but you've actually placed higher uh, at the WMBF Worlds by like one placing, of course, uh, a different category, like different people. So you just can't control that outcome at all. So uh, I think that at least I imagine you haven't had for many seasons, you haven't had the goal of, hey, I'm going to place better than last time because you just are so hyper aware that that's just way out of your hands. It, it's definitely out of my hands. Like I'm definitely like realistic with that, but at the same time, like anybody else, I'm competitive. So even though I had the feelings of like, I don't know if I can still duplicate my past. Like I still wonder like, I want to see if I, what I can do. So actually I'm like, okay, I'm trying to get top. I want to top three. Cause I've been fourth. I'm like, okay, if I can get third, that's 
and it's an external improvement, right? In the minds of others, like, okay, you bettered yourself or whatever. But I know deep down whether or not I'm successful or not, just by fulfilling that potential. But yeah, to be honest, when I they announced me as fifth, it was a little bit of a, like, oh, man, yeah, it was like a little moment there was like, man, I didn't move up. But it was very short lived as far as having that disappointment. Because I realized like, for 52 to arguably be in the best shape of my life and to compete at a world championships that's now being represented with over 50 countries versus in 2014, there was only 23. So it's expanded. So the talent pool has expanded. And I knew that going in, like this is going to be probably one of the most competitive shows in history. And to do it at, at my age, I'm like, and and I had the opportunity to either do masters or open. They won't allow you to do both. They won't let you cross over. So I'm like, hey, let's just go open. Let's just see where I stand. Because I didn't want the regret of not doing it. And then have like looking back going, oh, maybe I should have done it. So whether I, you know, place well or didn't, at least I kind of know now moving ahead where, where I can kind of go. It's like, okay, I still have, right now I'm still relevant. Like I can still hang with some of the best out there, even at my age. So, but yeah, I'm competitive still. Like when I'm on stage, I want to do well, but it was, yeah, when I came off stage, it was a little bit of a disappointment because I didn't crack that top three, but very short-lived because once I got, you know, came off of backstage, went to the lobby, everybody's there to greet you, your family, your friends, you know, everybody's saying great job. You looked awesome. It's like, you forget about the placings really quick. Yeah, I think that's, I think anyone who's competitive, uh, anyone who competes in bodybuilding, you have a competitive nature about you. That's why you kind of really do it. So I think everyone has that sensation. I know my previous, like 2021, I had the same at many shows where I went in where I was like, hey, I'll be happy if I get this. And even if I got that, like on the lower end of where I wanted to be like top three and I came third, I'd still be like, ah, why didn't I come second? But like you said, it's kind of short lived. You kind of respect it. And also, uh, like you mentioned, uh, a top five, like a fifth placing versus a fourth, as we mentioned previously, like you don't control who turns up and there was way more competitors. I, I think your lightweight class, the pro class was, the, the, it was the most stacked class, arguably the most competitive, uh, sorry, the most competitive. They were all really competitive. Like it was kind of crazy this year and like the most competitive worlds I've seen for the last, I don't know, handful of years, I, I guess post COVID, absolutely the most competitive. So it yeah that's that's a huge huge win for you and did it give you a bunch of like confidence or did it give you kind of like a feeling yeah. of like belonging as a bodybuilder again exactly. maybe something that yeah, was lacking that was a, yeah because the the confidence and insecurity was it was there because you know the lack of confidence i should say it's like you know because the last time i competed was 2019 and i was 48 already creeping up there in age and i got sixth at worlds and it was probably the worst look of the season so, you know, I'm further removed from that. I had gained, went up to over 200 pounds in 2019, let go of a lot of habits. It wasn't the best recovery, let's just say. So it was almost like I had a not so great body composition. I was older than COVID hit and all that. And it was like, okay, now I got to go from this big time dad bod to now, okay, I got to get back into world level you know, shape. So it was like a good two year process of trying to do that. So the confidence, yeah, was, was not very high, but now 
doing the damn thing and realizing like, hey, I can still hang with these young kids. It's almost like now I feel like, okay, I can still do this. If I you know, choose to prep again, I can still hang on the world level. Uh, for how long, I don't know, but there's only one way to find out is to get in there and do it. You know, how many times have we seen competitors, first time competitors, they're scared to actually compete and like, ah, I need more size. I'll wait, you know, five years, 10 years go by and they never even done it, never experienced it. So I know it's just the best way to kind of, to learn and to see is to actually do it. But yeah, yeah it was, it was crazy, man. Like it was a good feeling knowing like a top five in a class of 16 and literally all the guys that placed ahead of me were different countries, which is awesome. That just shows how the sports totally evolved and grown. And they're like half my age. Yeah, it's uh, um, the the fact that you didn't give up when you're at such a point where like kind of a low and you just kept going, I think speaks to a general message that I see from you is just that element of consistency and just continuing to do the damn thing and always looking for areas that you can improve. Uh, so I, I absolutely love that. And um, I was going to ask actually a question was how long was this prep? Because I don't know if there was like a clear start point for you and like a, a starting body weight that you had. How, how long was it for you? Uh, I mean, so if we can go back, let's see, what year is this? 23 to 22, like the middle of 21 is when I was kind of at my lowest, highest in body weight, but at my lowest as far as like habits and things like that. I remember it was at um, my wife's sister's wedding and I told her this is the last weekend that I'm like like just diving into chocolate cake and having wine and stuff like that i'm like okay i'm gonna get back into some better habits because my cholesterol level is actually high like i was diagnosed with high cholesterol and i was 50 years old at the time and my on my dad's side of the family they have a history of heart issues so i'm like okay this is more more than just body going at this point this is more about overall health so you know long story short cleaned up some habits improved the cholesterol um, not a hundred percent. I actually had to put, get put on statin because just with the habits alone, it didn't change. Even with contest prep, I thought maybe it would kind of improve health significantly, which it did, but not enough to get me in the safe level. So I had to be put on a statin. So it's like literally like a two year or more journey of like coming down in body weight. And then in January, I should know, I should say last year I was trying to prep the middle of the year, July, August, um, just too many things were going on in life that I had to put it on the back burner. So I stopped the prep. Um, didn't allow myself to gain too much weight back though. And then January, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this again. So since January, it's I've been prepping, but it's been more of the Monday through Friday thing where it's like, you know, pretty solid habits. I'm on point the weekend. I kind of let up a little bit. So the progress was really, really slow. Like I said earlier, I didn't want to get out there and do the steps. So it was just like slow, slow progress. And then it wasn't until about three months away from the Washington show that I needed to qualify for Worlds where I was like, okay, I need to make a hard commitment here. And that's where I was struggling as far as the why. Why do I want to do this? So eventually I finally made that hard commitment and then I got really dedicated so you can kind of say like what I learned through this year is that if I want to compete in the future, I probably do need to go back to my roots as being that hardcore bodybuilder 
and just go hard for like three, three months at a time. So keeping my body weight at this point, cause I'm 52, I don't need to be 190, 200 pounds anymore. I can probably hang out around 180, 182, which is about 10, 12, 15 pounds over stage weight. And if I want to prep, just prep for three months and go hard and not have like, you know, cause we, I've been on your podcast before talking about balance, right? With family and all that. But what I kind of learned this last year is that it actually was harder on the family to do the Monday through Friday thing and then be free on the weekends for a full year versus just having a three month stretch where I just have a conversation with my wife, like I'm going hard right now. So I'm going to be tapped out for three months, but you'll get me back after that. So I'd rather be present nine months out of the year versus like strung out, if you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes so a lot of sense. So I'm coming learning, like if I could go back in time, like back to 2014, where I was preaching the balance thing, longer preps, it's almost like, well, here's some other context that I've learned over the last decade. Yeah. Always learning. Uh, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. Kind of ripping off the Band-Aid versus like slowly <laughs> like letting it yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like, um, yeah, it's just you're, 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 the context changes for each person. Like as time moves on, your own journey evolves. So things you might have done 10 years ago don't, don't apply today. Like what I did this prep, you know, what I'm saying now, I might change my mind a year from now. I might say, no, I think we need to go back to that. So it just kind of depends. But I think this definitely worked out really well where I kind of just had to make that hard commitment, have that conversation with my wife. She understood. She's fine with it. The only thing that really killed her with this prep was the sleep issues. Because I was waking her up in the middle of the night. I wake up two, three o'clock in the morning, like the last month of prep. It was horrible. You know, even with melatonin and all that and doing all these things, trying to improve sleep. When you're 6% body fat or whatever it is, and you're eating, you know, 15, 16, 1700 calories and doing 15,000 steps, like your body doesn't want to sleep. It wants to eat. So I was driving her nuts. I was driving her nuts with the this, this sleep. Have you noticed your sleep? Has that improved over preps or has it like you got it to a point where it's like, hey, this is as good as it's going to be? This this prep was probably the worst the last month or two. And that's because I did, I was, I, I probably got leaner than I've ever been, I would say. So I think that was a whole nother level. The calories got pretty low there towards the end. And that was a, that was an interesting conversation I had with myself, like an internal conversation at while eating lunch, because I was always having two PB breads. It's funny these, these weird conversations we have with ourselves during prep that <laughs> yeah. seems so silly when we're removed, right? Like I want my two pita breads. They're like, yeah, but yeah. no, Jeff, you need to drop your calories. If you want to make more progress, so you need to remove one of those, just eat one. I literally had a five minute conversation with myself about that. <laughs> And I finally was like, okay, you're being stupid. You're being dumb. Just, just eat the one and just move on. So that, yeah, it just gets that crazy towards the end. At least this was for me, but it brought me back to my roots because that's how I used to prep back in the day. I would do whatever it took to get in shape. And I guess with that more aggressive approach, there's only so aggressive you can go, or was it like I'm thinking, hey, if you go too aggressive, you risk muscle loss. Was that something that was on sure. your mind or did you, were you like, hey, I'm going to go as aggressive as I can without thinking I'm going to risk any excessive muscle loss at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would, there was like, you know, I picked my spots pretty well. 
it's like, you know, I had a 10 day stretch, 12 day stretch where it's like, no, no refeeds, really low calories, pushing hard on steps. Um, the smart thing I was doing is like knowing, not going too hard in the gym, like, you know, making sure I was pacing that pretty well. But the way I was kind of gauging things was if I felt like I could adhere to it, like it was just getting over the top, then I would just, I would just eat. I wouldn't go crazy, but I would eat more food, back off on steps, just take a day off or two. Moments where I felt okay, like, you know, you have those days where you're kind of just grinding on the same protocol and you're like, it's hard, but it's like manageable. Then I wouldn't change anything. I would just keep going. And then days when it was really easy, like, oh, I'm not hungry. I feel energetic. I would just, those are the days I would kind of just like, let me just drop 200 calories off today or do some more steps or something like that. So I was using a lot of auto-regulation. But the calories, I will say, like, I've had my calories as low as 1,500 in the past at certain points of prep, but not in the last 10 years. So I forgot what, it, so to be honest, I forgot what it kind of felt like to kind of get really dark. And I think uh, the reason I was able to do it this time, um, Eric was a big part of that when he came down before our first show. He came down, he stayed at my house for over a week. My wife and son went to Cancun on vacation. So it was just Eric and I here at the house by ourselves. It was a bodybuilding camp for a week at my house. From the time we woke up to the time we went to sleep, that's all we did was bodybuild. So it was almost like we were feeding off each other's energy. So it's like 1,500 calories, yeah, let's do it, you know? I didn't have to worry about being a dad or a husband or anything like that. So it kind of just took me back to some of the roots. And I appreciate this stuff now going through it because as a coach, sometimes when you're not in the thick of it, because I haven't prepped since 2019. So the time before that was 2014 when I got on stage. And then, like I said, getting really dark, that wasn't like back when I was in my 30s. So it sounds like reconnecting to the grind in a sense, like, because I think as a coach, you know, you hear sometimes like experience, you don't have to have the experience and you do. I think it plays a big role. So it keeps me connected. So now it's almost like I could put myself in my athlete's shoes, like maybe when they need to be pushed harder than I think, but I'm a little reluctant because maybe I'm too empathetic. It's like, no, if you really want to go to where you want to go, this is what you have to do. Yeah, you kind of, I agree with you without going there, you don't really know what that feels like, especially if, like you said, you kind of competed, but if you never really got that kind of elite conditioning uh, that like everyone is, well, not everyone, but many of us are targeting who have competed many times, you don't really know what it's like, it feels like. And so you don't know what they should be feeling like. So then it's like, how, how do I gauge if I'm pushing them too much or too little? Yeah. Uh, how do I tell them that they need to like, like, I don't know. Uh, nut up or like that like we need to pull pull back and this auto regulation that you did uh sounds like only something that you can have done once you've got a lot of experience under your belt and that's something i guess with clients you try and help them auto regulate because you know kind of what you're looking for but they don't necessarily know it on themselves and yeah. it just requires them at least in my experience it requires the athlete to have good communication skills because Mm -hmm. That can be hard. They uh, they keep stuff to themselves exactly. or whatever it yeah. is. <laughs> it's like the conversation we're having right now about this stuff. This is like 30 years of experience talking. You know, so it's like someone who's in their first or maybe even second season, like maybe they're not ready to dig like that. But you know, it is oftentimes people are very motivated and they want to be elite. 
like right now and they want to be pushed hard but it's like sometimes it's a hard decision for a coach because if you push them too hard how's that going to impact not just them but people around them and things like that so i'm always thinking about that stuff too let's see especially on my side 38 years of training and all that it's like you still have three or four decades ahead of you like you don't have to accomplish all this today <laughs> you've got plenty of time but the sport has evolved in the last few years i mean i know you've seen it like the conditioning it's like guys are getting in elite level conditioning at an early age now where we could look at a decade ago we would probably be saying well it's most of the older guys that are getting in you know they got that muscle maturity it's like well wait a second you know ben schuster here is 21 years old yeah. and he looks like he's his physique looks like he's 40. you know and that's a positive for not a negative 40. like he just looks nutty at an early age so it's the standards of elevating and so it's almost like now as a coach you kind of have to how do you coach that yeah, it's yeah, finding that that balancing act. And I guess again, it's finding the right approach for the person in their context. Like, hey, is it a pull a band-aid off prep or is it a slower, more methodical kind of approach? And I imagine the pull the band-aid is kind of for someone like yourself who has a lot of experience who can truly, hey, blinkers on, I can go. Whereas a lot of people don't have that skill set at the start of like when they're competing. Um has your what's the things you've struggled with with prep or the things that you found hardest the things that you dislike about prep the most uh the, the kind of cons of it has that changed over time what was kind of the, what's the biggest con for you right now versus what it was in the past you know the grinding and all that like the hunger the lack of energy i mean it's hard to deal with but that's not the worst part of it for me like I can deal with that. I know what to expect. Like I knew I was going to be hungry dropping galleries down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace it. I'm not going to spend five hours in the kitchen trying to fight that. It's more of the time commitment to prep. Like getting in the steps, like just, okay, I have to spend an hour of my day or more. Sometimes it's like hour and a half, two hours, just walking. And then I have to spend another hour, hour and a half training. I mean, and then I have to focus on, I got to hit these macros. So I do have to spend a little time in the kitchen to make sure I'm nailing these things down. It's time and energy away from the more important things in life. Like my wife, my son, like I said, the last two weeks, they're demanding more attention from me. They know I'm done with prep, so they're demanding of it. And I'm like, wow, like it makes me realize like, wow, I really was not here for three months that bothered me that was a big part of like do i really want to put my family through this again because i knew how much time and energy it took to get in the type of shape that it was in so it was super important for me that they actually go to worlds and they're present and that was a big motivator for me as far as trying to place top five top three but at least top five so i can do a posing routine so they can actually see me on stage by myself because i felt like they deserved that they deserve to see dad up there for a minute by himself doing and it could show them like why i actually did what i was doing so i'm just like thankful that because backstage when they were kind of calling top five to do posing routines well, four people got before called before me and I'm like, oh, sure. shit. Yeah. So when they called me like the fifth one, I was like, okay, thank goodness I get to do a posing routine. 
And that's not part of shows like for me personally, I like the most because I feel like it is an artistic expression. Like that's your minute to show everybody there your art, what you've been working on. And in my case, working on for decades. So I take it to heart. I take it serious. I didn't really practice a posing routine this time because I used an old one. Because I, I didn't, like I said, the, the time commitment to prep, I didn't have the time to actually practice posing and create a new routine. So I was like, okay, let me just use the old one. No, I, I just went through it like three times. I'm like, okay, I got it. And I performed it, nailed it. And my son like totally appreciated it. But yeah, it's just the, like I said, really, the time commitment, that's what drove me insane this time around. That makes sense. And yeah, when I saw you posted your posing routine, I was like, I kind of recognize that. It was the music that I recognized. I was like, that's specific mu music. I don't hear many competitors using. I feel like that's a Jeff Alberts tune. <laughs> yeah, that one. What I like about it is it's, there's a lot of choreography to it, but when you hit a pose, you actually can hold the pose for a couple seconds and people can actually see. Yeah. Cause oftentimes you know, some routines are just really fast, choppy, and you don't really get to see competitors in a certain pose for very long. Do you not see the progress you would like? Are you sick of writing your own programs? Or perhaps you need some accountability in order to stick with the plan? Then it's time to start working with us. We at Revive Stronger offer a truly personalized coaching service. You'll get more than just an email with some macros or random cookie cutter program. With Revive Stronger, you will be the center of our attention. You will receive your own fully individualized training protocol alongside a customized nutritional strategy. We create the coaching around your needs, wants, personal preferences, and your own unique lifestyle. Every single week, we delve into your program in order to make appropriate adjustments so that we get the most out of your time and the best possible outcome. We help both female and male athletes to seriously change their body composition by adding more muscle mass and decreasing fat tissue. No matter if you're a competitive bodybuilder or just want to look better, if you need help with your progress and taking your physique to the next level, our coaching is for you. It's time to make a change. Sign up today and let's revive stronger. Or the but classic, yeah. classic now, it's all like almost like a dance routine and they flow into poses. So you, again, you don't really hit a pose for very long. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice, it was a nice change because I think a lot of people have been inspired by the classic routine. So they've been going down that route, which I understand that they're, they're like incredible, but yeah, I, I love the, I like the music, the techno or whatever that genre is. I, I, I really enjoyed it. So if people, people should check that out over on your Instagram or, um, I think it was at the end of a recent YouTube video where you did like a recap. Yeah. So people should, end, yeah. yeah, people should check that out. And I totally understand the, the kind of time element. I think a lot of people underestimate that when they're first getting into prep, like the amount of like again they don't consider even like the time traveling to a venue and the, like having to mm -hmm. be there the night before for a tan and obviously like you said the steps or the time practicing posing some of these things like you've got that posing kind of pretty well nailed down so you don't have to put as much time towards it as maybe other people might have to but the, also the energy so like you might have the time but have you got the energy then to, to give it, it yeah to someone like so yeah i can absolutely see that and you only you really obviously notice it post-show because then you're like, oh, I don't have to do that. And also I've got all this energy to do this. So uh, yeah, it's, I can totally see that that's something that would take you away from the process because it isn't fun, but at least as you notice this time around, you know, it's short term, it's short lived. So it's something that you might be able to like, hey, I can manage that knowing that I can come back into kind of normality at, at relatively good speed. But 
for people listening, they now, if they haven't competed, they have a good awareness that this sort of thing happens and you can warn loved ones and partners and friends that this is going to happen, but uh, like they won't believe it as well as when they see it. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a different animal when you actually start experiencing it. Like, I mean, as coaches, I think we both, you and I both do a pretty good job of like educating and informing our athletes, but it's different once they start going through it. Yeah. That's where they start to really get the education. But yeah. it's a very, I mean, the sport is very obsessive. You know, people get locked in, you know, and I'm not a stranger to it. You know, I get locked in, like, you know, it's like, I want to prove a point. I want to see if I can hang as an older. That was a motivator. Part of it was like, okay, I'm 52. Let me see if I can still hang. Let me see if I can get a top three. I'm going to go there, you know, and of course, having Eric here motivating me even more and, and instilling more confidence. It's like, okay, we're going to grind out the last five weeks. We're going to, we're going to make it happen. But I can tell that I was getting more distant from the real world. It was like, I was just so locked in. Everything evolves around like 24 seven yeah. time you wake up. You're like, okay, I got to make sure I get my steps in. got to make sure the food is on lock. Got to make sure my training's in there. Like you said, thankfully, I didn't have to practice too much posing, but a lot of athletes do have to devote a lot of time and energy to that. You know, by the time they get done with everything at the end of the day, if they're like me, like seven o'clock in the evening, I'm on the couch watching, you know, TV with my son and I'm falling asleep five minutes later, you know, and he's like, are you going to stay awake? So it's <laughs> almost like you have a guilty feeling like I just invested all this energy today into this sport, but the real life stuff's getting put on the back burner. Like that can be an issue, especially if you have a family that's not hundred percent understanding of what you're trying to do. That's why communication. And like, I always stress that like with my athletes and with myself, like, let me make sure that I'm informing my family of what I'm actually doing and what I have to do. And in a sense, checking in with them too, because we might think we're doing fine. Like, how many times you in the middle of the prep and you think, oh, I'm doing a good job of balancing stuff out. But if you ask your significant other, how am I doing? How am I really doing? Then you'll probably get more of the truth there. I did an IG live. Like <laughs> it was last week. It was a Sunday, last Sunday. My wife and I, we went for a walk. We were visiting her sister for Thanksgiving. And then we went for a walk. And I'm like, you want to go? Want to do an IG live with me? She's like, <laughs> What's that? And I'm like, we'll just we'll just get in on there. We'll talk to people, and they could they could ask you questions. Like, and she's like, oh, whatever. So I'm like, okay, they're gonna ask you about my prep, so you're gonna be able to tell them the real truth. So yeah, and she went in there. She talked about the sleep. Yeah, like for God's sake, I'm I'm underslept because he's underslept. <laughs> oh yeah, it's making me and grumpy now. <laughs> yeah, now you got two grumpy people in the house. Yeah. <laughs> at least no she, at least she wasn't hungry though. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually something you spoke about earlier i did want to reflect on this um you spoke about kind of not weighing in uh not log booking uh so i'd love to hear a little bit more about that and did that also come into like macro tracking calorie tracking did you pull away from that at mm -hmm. all i know alberto's done almost preps where he's done it that way i think eric's done portions at least doing it that way i didn't remove the macro tracking like i still kept track of my calories um I wanted to stay on top of that, but as far as like weighing in, I stopped doing it because it was causing me stress. Like white noise in a sense, like putting my training numbers in the spreadsheet. Like I literally have my computer, my laptop 
on my desk, like my, my uh, little desk there in my gym with the, the training program and up. And I was like, every set's over, I'd go over there and log it in. And I'm like, I was just getting stressed out by it. Like, it's like white noise to me. Like, why am I putting numbers in here? I know I'm 52, I'm getting older, but I have a pretty good memory. Like, I know what I did last week. So like, okay, I did nine reps last week. Okay, let me try to get 10. If I get 10, great. If I don't, no big deal as long as I'm hitting proximity to failure. Because I know if I do that, I'm going to get a stimulus regardless because my mind is the only thing that knows numbers. My muscle knows effort. So that's, so I just use principles. I'm like, why am I tracking everything? I don't need to track anything anymore, at least temporarily during the prep to remove some of the stress. And this is all around the same time of struggling with the whys and do I really want to do all this? So I, what I did was I just tried to remove as much noise as possible to free up my mind to free some space up. So I was like, let me just use principles. I know how to train. I know like I have good form. I know, I know where proximity to failure is. I know about how much volume to do. I know which exercises that, are, that work for me. So I'm like, I just, I don't need to track this stuff. So I removed that. Even music, like some music was kind of irritating me. And I realized like, you know, what? I just need to train with nothing. And it got me more connected to the training. So instead of focusing on music selection and spending time, wasting time there, I just removed it. Like, let me just train with nothing. And then I started training to the TV as far as sports and stuff, just as background. So I did that. And uh, the weigh-ins, it was, it was almost scary dropping weigh-ins because obviously we use weigh-ins to kind of guide like what rate of loss we're seeing, things like that. We don't want to be overly aggressive or too conservative. But I would just use the visuals, use my experience, assess my physique. Do I look like I'm losing weight? Do I feel like I'm losing weight? Meaning, how hungry am I? Where's my energy levels at? Like I said, the days where I felt like energetic, felt pretty good and not too hungry. And like, okay, I can I can eat less today. Days where I was like, uh-uh, I'm ready to eat my own arm off. Like, that's not a good day to try to push. So I was basically just using that as um, my guide. And it wasn't until the last month of prep where I started to track my weight again and, and log like my my calories into a spreadsheet um, because I gave the keys to Alberto for peak week. So he needed the data to set that up. So that was the only reason why I went back to data collecting. Um, and that was a big step for me. Well, I've, I've given him the keys in the past, but I knew heading into worlds like that last week, I had athletes myself. I had to travel. I had to travel with family. So I had to wear a dad hat, a husband hat, a coach hat. I'm like, I don't need to stress over like my own stuff. So I'm like, let me just let Alberto do it. And I trust him. And I just basically followed his plan like a soldier. And that helped out tremendously as far as like just alleviating some of the stress during that week. Um, and what was interesting about that week, in order to make the weight, I had to do a gut cut and a water cut to make the lightweight class. And that was the worst two days of prep. That was the worst. Yeah. I saw some of you, I mean, you talked about the gut cut a little bit. I would have loved you to have vlogged that. That would have been super interesting. Slash, it would have just been funny seeing you having to go through that and suffer. Yeah. Um, what did that entail exactly for people who aren't aware? So like we know how I peak. I peak well when I have more of a midweek load and then kind of taper off because I'll get full, but a little spilly looking. And then I clean up after, you know, a moderate day or two. So 
what was tricky was the weigh-in was on Friday, the show, like I had to get on stage on Sunday. So I knew we had, well, we knew I had time to like fill out as far as like rehydrating and things like that. Uh, but we needed to get the carbs in while gut cutting. And, you know, so trying to get like everything removed out of me to make a weight class. So it was like whey protein and fruit juice for a day. And we're talking like four to 500 carbs worth of fruit juice <laughs> to get the glycogen there in there, but not way too, too much. Right. So that day wasn't too bad because it was just one day of it. But then the second day got rough because that was a travel day. So I'm like, I got to fly with juice. I go, that ain't going to work. I'm going to be living in the bathroom. You know, so it was like fruit snacks, gummy bears, whey protein that day, and then cutting water off at around three or four in the afternoon. And that was a Thursday. The weigh-in was Friday. You had till three o'clock to weigh in. So I waited till around one in the afternoon. And that morning, I didn't have anything to drink, nothing to eat. And I loved my coffee in the morning. And so it was no coffee, no nothing. So by the time I got to that weight, I was hangry. And poor Eric got the wrath of the Godfather, <laughs> let's just say. Like, I was so moody. And thankfully, I wasn't around my wife and son because they ventured off to go, like, you know, tour Seattle. So they weren't around. But I was, I was grumpy. It was moody. And then when I went to weigh in, I was 0.8 over the limit. And they told me you got till three o'clock so you could come back and weigh again. So at that point I was done. I'm like, I'm good. I don't care. I'll just go into the middleweights. And then Brad, he's like, no, 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 we're going to, I'm going to go get some gum and you're going to spit in a cup. So for an hour and a half, we're in my hotel room, like chewing gum and spitting in a cup, tried to urinate as much as I could, went back down to weigh in and I was right on the button. So again, like having, like even, you know, I've been doing this for so long and a lot of times I'm self-coached and there's some pride with that, but I think it's important to have humility and let other people coach you. And like, so I gave Alberto the keys. I let Eric in a sense be my emotional support the week he was here. And I let Brad kind of take the reins as far as making sure I made the weight on that specific day. So if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have done as well as I did. But yeah, that that was the roughest thing. So what I learned from that is if I'm going to compete again at Worlds in a lightweight class, I'm going to come in two or three pounds leaner. So I don't have to go through that process again. It was not fun. There's I know powerlifters do it, but they don't do it at 6% body fat. That was rough. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, having to... It's such a... Obviously to store the glycogen that you're doing that's like adding weight and so it's like ah oh, how, how mm -hmm. do i balance this whilst also not kind of bringing a, a like the worst would have been because i had a, a similar scenario with one of my clients where he was right on the cusp of mi middle weight to either or a lightweight so i was like we want to be like a heavy lightweight so we practiced like a rapid backload thinking maybe we could do that like the day before and it was just like hey that's too too much kind of food content it's gonna be a stressful day like we can't run that so we we're trying to balance things like slowly taper carbohydrates up luckily he just responds better as like a linear load basically each day going up mm -hmm. just he just absorbs them he doesn't get any softer but yeah it was your situation is way more stressful because on his we kind of accepted hey if he's a middle he's a middle but you'd gone through quite a stressful thing 
to then have to just be like, hey, I might not even bring my best because I just had to do like such a, a, a strange peak here. Uh, so I'm glad it worked out in the end because that would have been super frustrating. It it was frustrating when I didn't make the weight. I was 0.8 over. I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You know, it's like I, at that point, I was just so done. I was so done with it. I'm like, I don't care if I'm a middleweight. I've been a middleweight in the past. It's all good. But yeah, Brad's like, no, you got to No, we came this far. We got to we got to finish this out. So, yeah, I mean, luckily it worked out. But yeah, never, never again. I don't want to go through that process again. Actually, I had one of my athletes go through the same process because we were trying to get into the bantams. Uh, but he seemed to respond a lot better than I did. Like he dropped <laughs> a lot more weight than I did. Um, but yeah, it's not something like I usually run with athletes because most of the times, you know, it's like local shows or regional shows like you have to win the whole thing to get a pro card anyway. So it's like, you don't want to risk like ruining your physique just to make a lighter class because you have to win the whole thing anyways. But like a show like this world level where they're breaking classes down like this, that it, it makes a huge difference whether you're on the, the high end of a lighter class or the low end of a higher class. Because like, I always like his, historically, I'm always a light middleweight and I always get out muscled every time so it's a, it's a struggle so i'm like my thought was get into the lightweights i might be a big lightweight well that kind of backfired because i got four guys ahead of me were, were pretty jacked so yeah i can't believe some they must have light skeletons or something because those guys look freaking like huge i'm just like what this I makes no sense tall and <laughs> like like not as heavily muscled it was like okay well yeah that's just how it is nowadays yeah, and, and then Wayne, um, I imagine Dirk was one of the lighter guys on that stage, but again, he's like he's not a tall individual mm -hmm. and like just, I mean, he has a great package. Um, yes. Was there anyone else on, actually talking of Dirk, obviously he's a 3DMJ athlete, did incredible. Uh, I was there with him at 2021 when he won the whole thing as an amateur. And then to see him go as a pro and again, take the, the lightweight pro class was incredible. Uh, was there anyone else uh, that kind of you saw on the day that were like, you mentioned Benjamin, was there anyone else that you, or it could be Brian who won the overall in the pro, anyone who you saw and you were like, oh, this is a special competitor that you're excited for to I, see that I future. Mean yeah i mean i knew kind of them heading into it like they would be front runners um i think brian was probably the bigger surprise like him winning the whole thing because you know we were kind of thinking maybe ben because he's just so peeled and so balanced and you know plenty of size uh and brian you know i saw him compete at the monster mash and he won that show but not with the type of conditioning that he had at worlds so you could tell he just like he brought another level of conditioning and with his size and his shape, it's very hard to beat. Uh, but I think just like there wasn't like a there, of course, I'm impressed by specific individuals. But I think across the whole, like I said, just to see so many different countries there and the quality of athletes and kind of, you know, going like taking myself all the way back to 1993, just to see what natural bodybuilding is today, like I would have never thought it would look like that 30 years ago. So to me, I'm like, what's it going to look like in 30 years from now? And oftentimes we hear that five-year window being thrown out all the time. Like, it's like, no, I mean, look at these guys. You got what's really cool. This is cool. Like Ben is what, 21? I'm 52. So what's he going to look like at 52? 
if I can come in my best shape at 52, what's he going to look like at 52? It's mind boggling. It's cool. It's really cool to see. That's what I really, that's what I really enjoyed. Like I was a fan at the same time being there, like backstage, seeing all these different physiques and the craziness of it, being out in the audience and seeing the craziness of it. I'm like, hey, it's just really awesome to see the sport thriving because obviously natural bodybuilding sometimes gets, gets a knock on it because it's natural bodybuilding. It's like, no, these guys are crazy, crazy physiques. It's impressive. Yeah. Now all the, uh, natty witch hunters trying to be like, ah, then uh, I don't know if they're natural, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, uh, the Brian, I actually think I was aware of Brian DaCosta for a long time, uh, because I think there was some associate with Matt Ogus at some point many years back. So I think I was aware of him, but I hadn't seen him for a long time. And so he kind of came out of the woodwork, like you said, and, uh, didn't really quite, uh, I guess, respect how much muscle he was carrying until, I heard him on the Natty News podcast and he said his weight and his height. And I was like, okay, so this guy's a monster. <laughs> He's a beast. Yeah. And I saw him at uh, the Muscle Mayhem. He competed. I forget what, I think it was the year, was it the year, Eric? Yeah, 20, what might have been 2019 or 2018? I can't remember. But he won the heavyweight class, I believe. And then Marvin, I don't know if you know Marvin, I forget his last name, won the lightweight class. And Marvin beat him in the overall. And the only reason Marvin beat him was because Brian at the time did not really know how to pose too well. And I remember sitting in the audience watching that overall going, if this guy knew how to pose, he would dominate. But he just didn't have the posing. Well, now it's kind of cool to see him. Not It's only a few years removed from that. Got the size, the symmetry, the conditioning, and the posing is there. So it's like the whole package is there. And yeah, he's definitely well, well deserved as far as winning that overall. Did you have him winning it when you were watching? Was he like, did you have him first or did you so even to, try and order? So I'll be completely honest. I did not see the overall. Okay. So, That's fair. so my thought coming off, like when I got done with my class, my first thought was I want to see my family, saw my family in the lobby. And then I literally took pictures with people for over an hour straight that makes sense <laughs> so i did not see the overall and even eric was kind of jeff come on we got to go see the overall and i'm like and you know it was, part of it was too we had a couple athletes that were still competing after i was done i told him i'm not working today i'm an athlete and i want to spend time with my family he's like i respect that so yeah i kind of did my own thing uh, but i've seen the video footage after and to be honest yeah i feel like brian was definitely deserving of the win yeah he he wasn't as conditioned as Ben, but the overall package, like it's hard to deny that size. He was lean enough. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, from from what I've seen, that's kind of been my takeaway from it too. I kind of expect in my head, I was thinking um that Benjamin was gonna take it just because of his season. Like yeah, he was like undefeated going into it, and he just has such impressive symmetry and he's just so well put together and muscle bellies and like his glutes just look ridiculous from the rear just like mm -hmm. perfect lines through them uh but when brian beat barda i was like hey yeah that makes sense <laughs> he's gonna go yeah. and win the overall here because yeah. barda's like a reigning champ so yeah it's, it was an, an incredible world and i can only like you said it's exciting to see where it's gonna go in future now because there was a time i don't know when it was um it may have even been this year or last year where people were like saying, hey, is natural bodybuilding dead? 
Uh, is mm-hmm. our natural bodybuilders even getting better or are we just like we've stalled and we're like all this science and uh, I don't know evidence-based practice and all of this education that people like yourself through 3DMJ and this coaching like is, is actually making people better and um, I'm guessing I know your answer but I don't know if I, you already essentially said like hey it's come a long way since I first competed yeah. at Worlds. It, it's like what I see is Size-wise, I think there's very there's a lot of similarities, guys, 10, 20 years ago, size-wise. I think across the board, though, like the talent pool is expanded and the conditioning level, like we're seeing that at earlier ages, like the amateur, the amateurs is a, is a good example, right? You go to a local amateur show, there's guys with shredded glutes. That was kind of unheard of 10, 15, 20 years ago. You wouldn't see amateurs with shredded glutes. Now it's almost a standard. So I think as a whole, the sport is definitely elevated. As far as like the elite of the elite of the elite, there's some similarities. Like you can probably take like, you know, the Doug Millers of the world, Rob Hope, you know, all you could take all these great champs from different eras and put them all in one stage. And it would be like, okay, this is like, this is pretty awesome. But, you know, like any other sport, it's hard to compare eras, you know, because obviously I think the overall education now is obviously superior than it was back then. Like you go on the internet and you can learn everything now. It's at your fingertips where back then you had to kind of scour the magazines for it. So, yeah, it's definitely elevating. So, again, it's like 30 years from now, what's it going to look like? I'll be 82, so you won't see me out there anymore. <laughs> at least I hope not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the thing you said there in terms of like the number of competitors now being competitive and getting in condition i don't think that would have happened i think you're always going to have the elite of the elite who like they just are born to be this bodybuilder like benjamin at 21 like how many 21 year olds do you have like being able to do that um with the same protocols that he's had the, the, there's only going to be a very small number of people that can do that but the like the breadth of competitor now coming in the fact that worlds is so big and it feels like it's getting more attention i think uh, having watched the live stream and seen the photos this was a really well ran wmbf worlds which i think mm-hmm. is super important because nothing worse you probably had it tons of times jeff when you get photos back and you're like man that doesn't really represent what i thought i brought to stage i look yeah. better at home like under my lighting yeah i could i, I haven't seen like the professional pics just yet but as far as like the live stream, from what I've seen of it, what I've heard from it, people watching it, like it was really good quality. And my experience from 2019 at Worlds to this one, vastly different. Because in 2019, it was a one show format. It just, it was just way too long. People were tired. And, you know, the, my wife was exhausted, you know, whereas this one was a two day format. The venue was nice. It ran real smooth. Um, I heard on one podcast that someone complained about the expediters being maybe a little too aggressive, which, which they were the first day because they care. The reason they were aggressive because they care. They want to make sure the show was well ran, well organized. And you got to remember as athletes backstage, we kind of don't know what's going on, right? Like, Rick, how's the show going to flow? Same thing with expediters. They're human. You know, they, 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 in their mind, they're trying to organize and structure it ahead of time, but not until real time when you start to feel things out. So it took them maybe an hour or two. They, then they started to get like more of a flow. They started to relax a little bit more. And then it flowed from there really well. The second day for pros, like it was really flawless pretty much as far as like the, the flow of it. So I think sometimes like 
it's it's easy for us as athletes, spectators, you know, et cetera, to complain about shows, the promoters, expediters, and things like that. But deep down, they have our best interests are they want to do a good job. They're trying. And it's like we have to give, we have to have some empathy towards that. So it's a, for me personally, it does kind of frustrate me when I when I hear some some promoters and expires get bashed a little bit like that. Um, because think of it this way too, as athletes, could we be doing a better job of getting in shape and posing better and, and representing the sport better for the audience, for the people watching the live streams? Like it, I think it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, I think that's well said. And I, I personally would prefer them to be a little bit aggressive than like lax because yeah, you don't want to miss exactly. your time on stage or your slot on stage. Yeah. Uh, that's the topic. That would be the ultimate worst thing if uh, yeah. they weren't like getting you there's, at the point. There's always that one guy, right? Like we're 63. He's in the bathroom or he's doing something <laughs> off in the distance. They can't do the show until 63 shows up. So now the audience is waiting. The judges are waiting. So there's always that side of it too. There's always like a bunch of different perspectives and layers to look at. Have you guys at all discussed like a 3DMJ classic or anything like that? Have you got anything? We, you, we've have, I'm sure you've it. thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Olympics are every four years. Mm -hmm. We've kind of floated that idea around like we're going to do like the 3DMJ class every four years. Um, you know, in our minds, we're thinking like, okay, instead of like not being able to see the judges' scores, like having a digital screen, like a live yeah. judging, like you see the symmetry round. You know, you see, you go from one one quarter turn to the next. You're like, oh, you know, 62 is in the lead versus over 64. Can 64 catch up? It's like trying to spice it up that way. Um, but yeah, we've had we floated the idea around, but we also understand what it would take to actually promote a show, to organize it. Like, there's a lot that goes into that. I don't know if we had the bandwidth, the energy, and the time to do it. <laughs> So. I don't think uh, promotion, I don't think that would be an issue. I think it would, I think there'd be a lot of people, like even I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, I would go and do this. Uh, so I think you'd get a lot of people wanting to just fly out just to do the 3DMJ classic. Like, I don't think promotion would be your problem, but the hey, organization Steve. is a lot. <laughs> but let me flip it on you. If Revive Stronger said, hey, we're going to do this big show in the UK, like I, I might put that on the map, you know, so. This is true. This is true. Uh, so yeah, I guess talking about, uh, you mentioned it. You don't know your future plans. Um, what What are you thinking? What's there? I know you've already mentioned it on some posts. Like, what are you looking? If you were to come back, like, there's things to improve upon, even for yourself. Yeah. You feel like you know how it is when you get done with the show and the season, especially when you have a successful one. You're motivated. I'm like, yeah, I know I could get in there, and kick some ass, and maybe get a top three and improve. Like, I'm not, I'm not that old yet, but I also know that this is emotions. And I need to allow more time to go by to gain more clarity. Because uh, like I said, from a time component, like I took so much of my family's time and energy away. So I know I need to, like the recovery diet, it's not just about the recovery diet. It's also about letting the family recover and getting back to some normalcy. But I mean, I think, I don't think I'm retiring, like, because I thought maybe that was a possibility. I feel like there's more to this than just me placing well and competing on a personal level. I think just people kind of get a lot out of just me going through the experience and paying it forward. So that's a big part of the purpose and the why for me. So I can see myself continuing to do it from that, from that perspective. But I do feel like I can 
possibly improve? Like if I was two or three pounds leaner, could I have hung with Dirk better from the front? You know, I think width wise, like my lat spreads and all that, like I'm wider than he is, um, you know, size wise. It's not like he's dwarfing me. It's just like, he's so conditioned. Like he just pops, right? Like when you see like the whole lineup, you look at the lineup, you're like, your eyes go to him. Cause he's just more conditioned than everybody else. So it's like, if I was on that level, could I compete with him better? Not saying I would beat him, but would I be more, you know, relative? So I feel like I can make improvements in certain areas. The big question is, do I want to, do I want to fully commit to that? And right now I say yes, because I'm so motivated because I'm coming off a high, but that can change in a month from now. And I know I need to give myself permission to allow more time to go by. And I think as competitors, even if my athletes come off the stage, they're always on to the next thing, right? Even even Eric Helms, he's a, he's so motivated right now. Top five. I haven't really <laughs> talked with him about it, but I'm like, man, he's just like really motivated. He's really because I think for him, he's realized he's a really good bodybuilder. Like for a while there, like I don't think he had full belief that he was actually good that good. And I think when you go to a world championship. And you're like, hey, I didn't come in last place. I actually belong. Like, I have more room to improve. So you just you just get these high emotions. So I think it's always good as athletes. Like, we give ourselves permission to slow things down, smell the roses, enjoy what you just accomplished. Because I just devoted an entire year of my life to this ultimate goal. So I deserved it to actually, like, enjoy it. And we're always going to train. Like I'm always going to yep. like lift weights and I'm always going to lift hard and I'm always going to eat enough. I'm going to try to sleep better, of course. So I'm always, I'm still doing the things that's going to continue to improve me. I don't have to like be a hundred percent present towards like the next goal yet. Yeah. But I still have those things going. So that's kind of where I'm at, but I can see myself potentially getting back on the world stage 20, maybe even 24. Cause like I said, I can do it three months as long as i keep my body weight where it needs to be like in three months i can go and i'll be right there again or maybe three and a half because i need to be a little bit later sure yeah yeah that make, <laughs> it makes a, a lot of sense to, and i think that's good advice generally for people i think I, i've had competitors this year who i don't know they could be ecstatic with their placing or even down on it and then they're already thinking about what next it's like hey just take a bit of time to like really reflect upon what you managed to achieve yeah. this time round, and um, I think sometimes we don't appreciate that in the moment. So I think that's really good advice, especially because this will come out, and a lot of people will just have probably finished their seasons, and yeah. probably a lot of people getting into their next as well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they appreciate it, but also too, I don't think they they have the clarity yet. You gain more clarity with more time. Yeah, like I appreciate like every season I've done, like like I appreciate 2014 so much more now than I ever have. Cause it's like, man, that like top four at worlds. Like, I don't think I, I don't appreciate it as, as much back then as I do now. Yeah. So, but yeah, let time pass. Eat some more chocolate cake, you know, <laughs> maybe train four days instead of six days right now. Just <laughs> ease, ease up a little bit, enjoy life, recharge the batteries, and then you'll get clarity then come back again. I think that's really well said. And uh, actually as a side note, I know, I think I heard Eric talking about eric and i know he has that top five kind of pro uh 
placing that he wants at WMBF Worlds 2025, I believe he's placed it on himself. Mm-hmm. And I think I heard he's going to like cap his off-season body weight now. I think, is that something now you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to stay a bit leaner in this off-season because like you said, you just don't have the the benefit. There's not a benefit to you going like higher in body weight and pushing body fat higher. No, I think I get to a certain point. It's almost like it's counterproductive. And like I said earlier, like being 52, history of heart issues on my dad's side, it's more for me like high priority and a motivator is overall health. So that's keeping my habits in place. So it's not like in the past, it would have been like, okay, I got to go eat big now because I got to try to get bigger. I'm allowing my body weight to creep up. But now it's like, I have the foundations. I don't think realistically speaking, I might be gaining tons of muscle at this point. Uh, I have past experiences that kind of tell me that like there's, there's nothing in the last 10 years, as far as the bodybuilding science is going to, it's pointing that if I do these things, I'm going to start packing on a bunch of muscle other than things that we probably shouldn't be doing. And obviously I'm not going to do that. So it's like, just keep myself at a healthy body weight where I can perform well, I can recover well, still live life, you know, the social dynamics and all that really well and keep me within striking distance if I choose to compete again because it's easy to eat yourself out of decision. If I go 20 pounds over stage weight, well, guess what? I'm not competing in 2024. It's going to be 2025 or 2026 because I'm going to need that much more time on the way down. And then you got to factor in the logistics, right? Like finances, family, like all these other things you got to think about when you're game planning the big picture. Yeah. And I think uh, staying a bit closer plays into your kind of want to be a a lightweight and maybe get even more conditioned because less Mm -hmm. to take off, hopefully a bit less stressful. So from a competitive standpoint, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very exciting uh, to know that, hey, it may even be next year. Let's see. <laughs> Let, I'm not going to put any yeah. pressure on you. Um, but uh, as as always, I'm going to be keeping up with your journey. And, and Jeff, just thank you so much for your time today, taking through uh, us through your prep and obviously like past experiences as well and what you've learned along the way and continue to learn about yourself. And I think that's probably what all of us love bodybuilding for is because, again, it kind of complements our life in many ways. Like it doesn't for short periods of time, but overall it brings about lots of positives and lessons and uh, lots of growth, I think. And I appreciate yourself and 3DMJ for all the work you do and for sharing it too, because a lot of people don't. And uh, I think it's um, really helpful for a lot of people and it's inspired a lot of people and obviously all the education too. So from me and the audience, a big thank you. And uh, if people aren't already following you, uh, where are you sharing most of your journey, Jeff? Uh, Instagram. So 3DMJ underscore uh, Godfather and then team 3dmj at youtube and they will do 3dmusclejourney.com and i appreciate you having me and you know giving me a a platform to be able to share it means a lot and i know you got a big audience so hopefully they gain you know a lot out of this and yeah so again just thanks thanks for having me not just now but all the times before it absolutely uh thank you so much jeff and guys we'll talk to you soon take care Losing weight fast while maintaining muscle mass. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? 
It isn't though, it's reality and we know how to do it. And we will help you achieve this. The Minicup Movement is an eight week fat loss program to make you lose a huge chunk of fat while maintaining muscle mass at the same time. We will support you from the beginning to the end so that you see the results you would like to and come out of it much stronger. You will receive a fully automated spreadsheet that is based on your nutritional needs. You can choose between six different male and female training templates. Over 30 videos will guide you through each and every single step of the minicup so that you're getting the most out of your journey and that you always know what to do. But the best thing is that you can start whenever you want. The minicup movement is open 24 seven. So if you want to learn more or you're ready to sign up, hit the link in the description below. So let's revive stronger together.